Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Morning. Who's ready for Thanksgiving? Some of you might be getting a day or two off of work. That's, that's nice. Some of you are pumped to eat some food. Some are excited to prepare food. Some of you are not excited to prepare food. <laughs> so I, I enjoy this time of the year. As you saw from some of those uh, announcements, we've got some fun things coming up. And so I hope you'll, you'll buy up the opportunity to connect with, with us here at OCC. This morning we're going to spend some time in our service uh, talking about what are, the, what are the core aspects of why we gather here on Sunday mornings. And so that's the focus of this morning's message there's a listening guide. You can you could take this listening guide out and follow along uh, with us in just in just a moment. Before we get into the message, though, I've been giving a, a weekly Sunday morning update on how is our how is our property purchase going and where are we at as far as how much has come in. Uh, and so we are in escrow on this piece of land right here. It's 5.3 acres on a one of the most visible roads in in Riverside on Alessandro, uh, which is a parking lot Monday through Friday from about. <laughs> seven in the morning, maybe six in the morning till probably like nine in the morning. And then every evening when people are coming home from work, it's, it's one of the main ways to get up the hill up here. And so um, it's just and it's also a, a regional sort of by it's become a regional bypass as well. If uh, the freeways are congested, which they almost always are, then this road is a very busy road. And so having a, a, a location where our church could meet permanently, uh, on a very visible spot would would be a real helpful thing for our church, and so we have been praying and people have been giving for the last couple of years, saving money as a church in a building fund. And from 2017 to 2019, uh, September 18th, we had raised 348 thousand dollars in a prep fund, but then we had this opportunity uh, to secure this piece of property where an escrow on our escrow uh, will be sort of. Uh, we're building towards a December 15th down payment deadline where we need to make a big decision on whether or not we're going to move forward into a final month of escrow or let the property go. And so uh, we have been praying and asking God to provide through our giving an, an, an additional $400,000 beyond the 300, near, nearly 350 that had been raised. So as you can see, when you add those two numbers up, we need about $750,000 to cover the down payment to get in the uh, property. We can handle the mortgage on the property uh, for the first phase uh, that allows us to secure the land and to renovate the two buildings that are on there. The future phases will be like a financial marathon for our church in the years ahead. But for this first major hurdle, I was calling it a hurdle. It's not a hurdle. As you see, we still have about 200 and w- w- this is really exciting. Last week we said we had $92,000 in that fund towards the additional 400. Now we have $136,000 towards that. And so that is really exciting. Some resource, more resources came in this past week. And really, yeah, nearly every day we've seen the needle moving and moving. On Monday of this past week, we broke the 100,000 mark. And so, at, you know, now we're at 136,000 and dollars are starting to come in. Our church family has been extremely generous and sacrificial. Uh, this is a long-term four-phase project. And uh, to really get in this thing, it's going to take us getting over this first, what is not really a hurdle, but more like a pole vault. <laughs> and I've never successfully pole vaulted. 
I only, I mean, I know a few of my friends have tried that, but, uh, but we've come a long way. And so it's pretty exciting to see, seeing where we're at. Uh, we'll keep you informed. We've still got a long ways to go. We're praying. We're trusting that God has led us this far. He has cleared a bunch of what seem like impossible obstacles through this journey so far. Uh, so with 21 more days left, we're praying for another $263,000 to be given before December 15th. Perhaps God does that here. And, and if he does, it will have been a miracle. <laughs> and we'll all rejoice in that. And we'll say, this was God. This wasn't any one person that solved the problem. Um, but this was God. It, it took collective sacrifice. And gifts are coming in each day, and it really is not about equal amounts. It'd be nice if we could say, well, what's the math? And let's just break it down by the hundreds of you know, individual units here. It never works out that way. It's not equal amounts. It's equal sacrifice. And so we're asking God, speak to each one of our hearts. What would you want us to do in this time? So if you want to be part, uh, here are some of the ways you can give. You just have to make sure you indicate, if you do through text online or in the on the offering envelope, indicate that it's for the building and expansion fund. Uh, we'd ask that this would be above and uh, your normal giving here, because that goes to fund our normal operations and our normal budget. But but uh, let's pray, and then we'll we'll continue. Father, we continue to lift this opportunity up to you. We thank you so much for the way that you have been working in our lives and our hearts. We thank you for the just extreme generosity, Lord, that has poured out, Lord, through our congregation. And we thank you for the many ways, Lord, that you have creative ways that you've brought up in people's minds. Lord, thank you that when we have opportunities, Lord, you, you point us to see other resources and other pockets to draw from. And it's not just what's in the bank, but, Lord, you've entrusted us with all sorts of things. And, and so, Lord, I pray for creativity and I pray for resources, Lord, to flow. If this is the property that you want us to uh, be a part of uh, buying and then being a light on that corner, Lord, we pray that uh, we pray that your will would be done ultimately, Lord, that we trust you with whatever the answer is when we come uh, near the end of this season of giving. And, uh, Father, we ask you to speak to us right now through your word. Help us to get clarity on whatever it is you've brought us here to hear from you this morning. Some of us come with anxious hearts and uh, racing thoughts. Some come with just heavy um, burdens that we're carrying. Some are just celebrating and, and, and thankful, Lord. And so with all of the stories in this room, would you speak to us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you, you might be new to OCC, and if you're new to our church, uh, from time to time we just sort of take the time to look at the why behind the gathering. So that's what we're going to do this morning. What's the why behind the gathering? If you're a regular here at OCC, and you come here each weekend or most weekends, it's still important to reflect on what is the point of this gathering? Why are we doing this this morning? It's, it's not good to just get into ritual routine and never ask that question. So we're taking this morning to really answer some questions and highlight the why behind this. Uh, in John chapter 4, uh, New Testament book of John, it's uh, one of the biographies of Jesus' life. You find a conversation where Jesus uh, was interacting with an outcast woman while he was passing through a region called Samaria. His disciples were off getting food, and Jesus was at a well, and he, he encounters this woman. They begin this conversation, and it's really clear that this woman recognized right away that Jesus was more than a man. Well, because he had supernatural knowledge, he had insight that was not normal, uh, he actually knew some things about her personal life, and he said some things that she goes, whoa. I mean, she's thinking, wow, he, he knows 
my story. And so she concludes and says, you must be a prophet. Because who else could know these things? And so she, she says, you must be a prophet. And then she asks him a, a spiritual question. And she says, you know, where's the right place to worship? Is it this mountain or is it where the Jews worship? She's a Samaritan. We worship here on this mountain. The Jews worship in Jerusalem. Where's the right place to worship? Now, if you were to get into a spiritual conversation here around town, you get into a random encounter with someone and it turns spiritual and you go, oh, we're in spiritual talk now. Okay. What kinds of questions would, would start flowing? You might ask the question like, where do you go to church? Or, or what's the best place to worship? In this city. And basically, this woman's asking some external questions. Jesus is probing, beginning to probe deep, and she sort of keeps it out there, and she, she's asking some external questions. What's the right place to worship around here? You're a prophet. Is it here, or is it, is it where you guys do, the, where the Jews worship? And, and at this point, the, the temple was in Jerusalem. That's where the, most of the rituals for the Jews took place. There were strict rituals of worship involving uh, uh, festivals, feast days, feast seasons, sacrifices, offerings, priests that ministered in the temple. A high priest, one high priest that would offer up a sacrifice once a year on behalf of God's people. And only the high priest once a year could actually enter into the most holy place inside the temple, this this room called the Holy of Holies. And he would offer the high priest a sacrifice of an unblemished animal for the sin of of the people. Once a year, only the high priest could have that experience inside the Holy of Holies. And they would tie a, a, a rope around his ankle in case he dropped dead inside there and they could drag him out. The most holy place. Well, in the Garden of Eden... Adam and Eve, you know, if you know the story, Genesis chapter 3, uh, Genesis 1, you see the creation. Uh, Genesis 2, you see Adam and Eve placed in the garden, and they're interacting with God. They can actually approach God. They can have relationship with God. They have access to God. But, but once sin entered the world, what happened? I mean, sin formed a barrier, and now God and mankind were separated because of their sin. And over time... External systems of worship were set up in order for people to approach God and in order for people to be able to relate to God and have access to God. Systems, external systems, celebrations, festivals, feast days, feast seasons, sacrifices, offerings, priestly duties. There's these different external things that are happening to facilitate worship between God and a broken group of people. The rituals, though... Over time, people began to lose heart. People began to grow cold and distant in their worship. And that's where this woman was. She's sort of focused on the externals like most everyone else. And so she's asking questions about worship and and where it should happen, but in the external sense. And now look at what Jesus does. He cuts to the heart of her comments and her questions. Look at verse 23, John chapter 4, 23. Yet a time is coming, he says. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father, God the Father, in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. So Jesus tells her, 
everything you know about worship and about access to God is about to change. There's a time that's coming. In fact, it's now here. Things are about to shift when it comes to worshiping the Father. Then verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Jesus, I know that Messiah, that is Christ, or called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain, explain everything to us. She's saying, look, our scriptures tell us that we're to wait for this person known as the Messiah. This person who's going to come and bring us back to God. He's going to deliver us and bring us back to God. And then Jesus says, verse 26, I who speak to you am he. Wow. It's time. Jesus is saying it's time. The time is coming. In fact, it's here. Oh, you mean the time when the Messiah is going to come? He's going to come and clarify everything. Yeah, you know, I'm that person. (laughs) Jesus tells this person, look, the essence of worship isn't simply these external things about the places of worship, the location, the outward rituals, the duties. It's more personal than that. Now, we have our own versions of this question. Of her question, really. We ask the same question, like, what's the best place to worship in town? Where should I go to worship in town? What's the best place to worship in this city? Or who's got the best music around? Where can I really, you know, just be inspired and feel moved? And who serves the best coffee at church? This is a big deal. (laughs) There's a variety of opinions, too, on this one. Or, or what kind of donuts do they offer? And how often do they offer them? By the way, we're offering them next week too, in case you're... <laughs> we're launching a new series next week. Or, or what kind of preaching is there? What's the preaching like? What's the preacher like? Is it going to be interesting? Is it going to impact me? And, and, or another question, are there people like me there? Will I identify with anybody there? Can I make friends there? There are a lot of external things that we're wondering about when it comes to church, right? And, and what happens at this gathering, and on and on. And Jesus is saying to this woman that at the core of worship, the issue is not the externals, or the externals, but it's really more about the internals. The internals. Spirit and in truth, he says. It's about the head, it's about the heart and what's going on. So why did you get up this morning and come here? Why, why, why bother doing this again? Why bother gathering? If, or if this is a regular pattern of your life, why have you made this a priority in your life? Stop and think about this. Yeah, why do I do this? And what'd you come looking for this morning? So I want to, I want to shift from John to the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at a passage in the middle of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. It's near the end of the New Testament. The book of Hebrews is a book that bridges the Old Testament customs and culture, and it bridges it to the Christian message, the heart of the Christian message. It takes the old and it bridges it to the new. And so let's answer five, really, or let's, let's look at five aspects, core aspects of why we worship on Sundays. So first one, when we, when we gather, we remind ourselves of why we worship. We gather to remind ourselves of why We're here. Why we worship. Take a look at what the writer of Hebrews wrote to the first century churches. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter 
the most holy place. Whoa, 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 wait a second. You can't do that. You can't enter the most holy place. Only once a year can a high priest enter the holy place, the holy of holies, and offer a sacrifice for God's people and approach God in that way. No, the Christian message is that we have actually been given access to the most holy place. So this, Hebrews 10 verse 19, is an invitation for Christians, for Christ followers, to come into God's presence. How do you do that? Well, by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, through Jesus' death, through his burial, his resurrection, we have been giving access, access that was formerly off-limits because of our sin. We have now have been given access, now through his, his shed blood. He, Jesus, was the acceptable sacrifice so that you and I, if we're in Christ, we can enter into the presence of God and we can have access to God himself in a very personal way. That's powerful. Look at verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, the greatest high priest, because of that, let us draw near to God. We can draw near to him now. We can have access. See, Adam and Eve in the garden, they were banished from the Garden of Eden. They were banished from that fellowship and that close relationship that they could have with God because of their sin. They were they were cast out of the garden. The scripture actually says that God placed angels to guard the Garden of Eden with flaming swords so that they couldn't come back into the presence of God. But through Jesus' sacrifice, we have been invited back into the very presence of God. And if you've received Christ personally, then you can actually approach him here and now, in this room, in the quietness of your own bedroom. On a walk, you can approach God. How do you do that? Well, you do it with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Having our bodies washed with pure water. You see, you and I, we were guilty because of our lives of sin. But if you receive Christ, then you've been washed clean. Your sin has been Forgiven, your past has been paid for, and, and now you can actually approach God. You're given new life. Thank you, Jesus. And we, we come and we gather on Sundays reminding ourselves of this spiritual reality that has taken place. So we're told in verse 23, let us, un, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, us Christ followers, we are gripping tightly with everything we have to this reality. This is our hope. This is our only hope. For he who promised, he's faithful. And so when we get together on Sundays, this is not just about information. We're actually drawing close to God. And I hope that if you follow Christ, that this is not the only time you do that. I hope that Sunday mornings is not the only time you draw close to God. You can have access to God all of the time now, if you know Christ personally. But when we gather as a group, we experience this weekly reminder of, my hope is in you. We sing these songs of praise. We lift our voices and we, we declare these deep spiritual truths. My hope is in you. 
when we come, when we sing, when we stand, when we hear God's word, when we pray, when we give, what a relief and what a joy that we can even do this, that we can even have, that we can access God. I mean, this, we have a living hope. We sung that earlier this morning. We sung, we, we were singing about having a living hope because we have a living Savior. And through him, we've been given the access that we needed. That's the first thing. Now, number two, on Sundays at worship, we also refocus ourselves on Jesus as a group. There's a much-needed recentering that happens for so many of us when we gather for worship. We just we need to recenter our focus. We do this as a group, though. We just that's one of the reasons we gather together is we want to celebrate together. Sure, I can sing in my home, or I could I could praise the Lord at home, but there's something about the celebration together that is very powerful. Look at verse 24 and verse 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How powerful it is when we do this, when we gather together. Whether it's a large group like this or whether it's a small group in the middle of a week to gather together. This, there's a much needed refocusing that occurs when we realize, you know, I'm not in this alone. It's so helpful to see so-and-so here and so-and-so here. I needed to see them here. And our presence together is, is powerful. It's important. Our voice is united. It's, it inspires us to more praise. Our fellowship together, it really matters. So the writer of Hebrews writes this, verse 25, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more, as you see the day approaching. In the first century, for many of those early Christians, they would worship together and, and Refocus often, but it came at great risk. For Christians to worship together in the first century was high risk for their safety and for their lives and for their families. When they would gather, there was always this sort of nagging thought in the back of their mind. Will the authorities come and shut us down? Will they drag us away like they've drug away so many others who, who identified publicly that they were Christians? In the first century, there's just a history of Christian martyrdom. Not just the first century, but it was a bloody first, second century. I mean, many, many, many people lost their lives. People still lose their life, lose their life today. But when we look back, it really started early on in the Christian faith. Our heritage is that of people who suffered to identify with Christ. And the freedoms that we have to worship right here, right now in our country are not to be taken lightly. This was not what they experienced in the first century. They had to battle fear. They had to battle threats, insults, persecution. And some people, because of the opposition upon them, gave up meeting together. That's why this verse says, let us not give up meeting together. It's because some people were too afraid to worship. And so they, they, forsook, they had forsaken the meeting and the gathering out of fear. So right, Hebrews says, look, don't give up meeting together. I know some are in the habit of doing that, but don't do that. Hold on to this hope. Keep this as a priority. And more than ever, you and I need to refocus because we can get so busy and distracted. We need this time of worship. We need this time of singing. And I'm so grateful that these songs point me to a living Savior and not just point me to look internal for an answer. These, these songs point me away from myself towards the Lord himself. We praise God for who he is, for what he's accomplished through his son. Here's the third thing. 
On Sundays at, at worship, we God often stirs us to do this, to repent of our sin and our wandering. We carry so much garbage around. We, we walk around with guilt, with shame, and we just, just coming to worship again can be a regular reminder that we can bring our sin and our guilt and shame and just lay it down before the Lord Jesus Christ. Lay it at the foot of the cross. But it's more than that. Sometimes we don't even realize that we've gotten off track and we show up here sort of having been dull to our conviction and dull to our senses, and we get here, we don't even realize how dirty of a week it has been. We get here, and, we, and then God meets us here, and he pierces our hearts through a song or through his word or through a prayer or through an opportunity or through a conversation, and God's Spirit just convicts us of our sin, and he calls us to change. That's called repentance. And if, if you're not a churchgoer, and you don't have much church background, Maybe it's in this gathering that God has been, you sense that God has been making it clear that you're just running off in your own direction in life and that God has now drawn a line in the sand and saying, look, that way is not working. You have the scars, you have the consequences, you have all of the reasons to see that that way is not working. And I'm drawing a line in the sand for you and I want you to come and turn away from your life of sin and go my way. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. We'd love to help you with that. If that's where you're at, on, on the back of the connection card, there's a point where you can, it says, contact me about clarifying what does it mean to be a Christian. Let us know if you're interested in talking about that. We'd love to help you. Or maybe if you're already a Christ follower and you've been sort of dabbling with some sin, and you're out here dabbling, maybe it's new sin, maybe it's not new sin, and maybe it's old patterns, regular worship keeps us from getting callous to our sin. Look at verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after, we, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, then no sacrifice for sins is left. The more often I hear the good news, the more often I hear the, then these truths that we're declaring, or I sing a song and I'm reminded of God's love, or specifically reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for me, the less likely I am to just deliberately keep on in sin. This gathering does not snap us out of sin, though, does it? I sure wish it would. Just going to Sunday that it would just like, boom, all temptation gone for a week. It doesn't work that way, though. But what it does is we gather together and God reminds us to confess our sin, to repent of our sin. It certainly reminds us of the great sacrifice that was made to purchase our freedom and, and to rescue us from the penalty of sin. So facing the truth when we gather here, and how much we need that. The truth jars us and it helps prompt us to repent. It helps prompt us to be accountable. It helps prompt us, prompt us to be honest. That's what the truth does in the life of a true Christ follower. This side of heaven, though, you won't be sinless. But more and more of God's truth in your life helps you stay in the fight battling your sin. The fourth thing, worship on Sunday also serves to prepare us for the pressure to come. You're heading into a tough week. That's pretty much, you can count on it. There's going to be pressure you're facing this week. Look at verse 32 through 34. Remember those earlier days, the writer of Hebrews says, after you'd received the light, basically when you, when you had just became a Christ follower. You remember those earlier days when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering? 
Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Again, he's just speaking of the challenges that those early Christians faced. Verse 34, you sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Why? Well, because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. They had this whole history of walking through trial together, standing side by side, being tested and refined through suffering. And so a major boost in our week comes on Sundays when we see who's still standing or sitting. (laughs) Who's still here? That's an encouragement. I look around, I think, you know, I know he's been in a fight and he's still here. He's pressing on. That strengthens me. I know they're still clinging to their hope right now. Thank you, Lord. That encourages me. The longer you're here, you start hearing the stories. You start walking alongside others under pressure. They're in a fight. It's intense. There's a lot, a lot of time it's the pressure of temptation. Sometimes it's the, it's the pressure of, of sacrifice and seeing people sacrifice and that is hard. And, and when we sacrifice, we're delaying things that we want here and now and we're trusting in, in something in the future that God is bringing greater rewards in the future if we'll walk in faith. And it, it's, but coming on Sundays preps us for the battle that we're certainly going to face as we leave. So what a boost to endure pressure together as we gather. Finally, fifth thing, on Sundays we're challenged to do this. We're challenged to respond again in faith. Respond again in faith. We talk a lot about taking steps, next steps in your faith. Because that's what God wants. He wants us to, to obey him, to apply his word to our lives. Look at verse 35 through 39. He says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You know, you're, you're hoping in Christ. Don't throw that away. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, that is staying in the fight, under pressure, obeying, doing the will of God, When you've done that, you'll receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Jesus, who died, who rose and ascended to heaven, will return one day for his people. But until then, we have been called to walk in faith. It's a faith walk. Verse 38 says, but my righteous one will live by faith. This is the way of Jesus. It's, it's, he leads us to live lives of faith. People that live lives of faith, he says, if he, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. People of faith gather here on Sundays. We worship the living God. We hear his word. And God lays out for us faith steps, bold steps that he wants us to take. So I hope that when you come on Sundays, you expect God to speak to you personally. Internally, I hope it's more than just an external experience that it's, it's spirit and truth that is internal. So that I hope you come anticipating that, that he'll highlight something in your life that you needed to hear. I hope that when you come, he'll point you in a direction that you sort of expect that God's going to meet you here. He's going to point you in a direction. He's going to clarify your priorities. I hope you come eager to hear him speak to you each and every Sunday. And when he does, I hope that you respond again in faith because verse 39 says this, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. That describes the children of Israel who were afraid to enter the promised land 
out of fear. He says, we're not of those people who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who believe and are saved. Now, application that changes us flows out of true worship. And that's not external. That's an internal thing. That's true worship. It engages the head. It engages the heart. As our worship uh, team comes to uh, lead us through another song, here's some final thoughts for us on Sundays. What if I'm serving on Sundays? And many of us, we serve on Sunday mornings. How do I separate my serving from my worshiping God? I would say because sometimes what happens is we get sort of caught in the middle of volunteering and helping, and then we miss out on a part of of, of worshiping God. And we're, we, we get maybe 80% of the the Sunday gathering. And so I would encourage you to prioritize your time of worship and figure out what that means, how you can pull that off. Or what about relating to my friends on Sunday? We only have 15 minutes between services. It's hard to connect and get a good conversation in before another service is about to start. We've seen that dynamic, so we're addressing that. We're, we're putting an extra 15 minutes in, so we're starting sort of a new service schedule soon, and there'll be 30 minutes between services again. Yes. And I'll try not to preach longer just because we have more time. Uh, But beginning December 15th, we're changing so that we can have 30 minutes between services. Because we want people to to have fellowship, but then to get in here ready to worship and be ready for even our first song. And so we'll encourage you to grab your coffee, grab donuts if they're out there, and make your way in and be ready for, for, for worship each Sunday. And that really helps because as, as people come or maybe as you invite people, you, you want your guests to show up in there for there to be people in the room and for them not to be the first ones standing there. And so one of the ways we can all work together in this, if you're part of the church family, is get here early, sit close, and sing out loud. So let's, let's pray as we continue. Father, thank you for this time. As we look at your word and as we sing these songs, we we declare you're worthy of it all. Thank you for the guidance that you give us from your word to to remember why we're here, to refocus our hearts, to be called to repent, God, to to get ready for action and to respond to you in obedience, Lord. We 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 commit to engage with you when we come here. We we don't want this to be external and ritual, Lord. We want this to be deep and personal. We want to be responsive. We thank you, Lord, for being a living God, for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.